if you really want to get just this is uh joshua bell and the kilt and the cloth in our tuesday morning bible study and we are uh continuing on the book of esther somehow i was not able to find my recording from last week which was <laughs> such a good conversation but uh that's what i get for using technology inappropriately so or losing leaving my laptop in another car all the way at my house so um kind of want to just remind us a little bit about chapter six and seven because what takes place is the the great the great humorous moment is what uh is typically referred to in the in in most scholarly cir circles there's this moment where in the hebrew bible there's a sense of humor right so Anytime that a human being tries to play the role of God, they will fail. That's the point. And then they use always, they always use uh, someone else to do that, not themselves, uh, because that would just make them look bad, right? And that's the, it's the joke. It's, it's supposed to be humorous. For us, it's like, wow, why would you do that? Well, you know, over centuries of <laughs> being enslaved and, and, and treated poorly, you find ways of, um, trying to make the best out of a really bad situation. So for them, it was a sense of humor, which I think the part I left off on, as I'm remembering on, it was supposed to be a funny moment that's super graphic and gross. It's like Monty Python, right? So at the end of the story in, in chapter seven, <clears throat> Mordecai, Mordecai, who has planned to kill all of the Jews. I'm sorry, Haman. Thank you. Haman. Haman has decided to kill all of the Jews, uh, has created some sort of edict by using the ring of King Ahasuerus, has done all of these horrible things. At the end, Esther just asks the King Ahasuerus, uh, I, 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 it, everything that you've asked of me, here's the one thing I want you to know. Is I want you to take care of my people. And he's like, why would anybody do that? And she says, well, Haman has tried to kill them all. And then the joke is, well, then let's put him on a pike. It just so happens that he put a pike out in his front yard uh, that's 50 foot tall. I mean, that's that's exaggerated, right? Like that's that's really tall. And, and, and so let's put him up on the top of it so that everybody can see what happens. And so he 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 does it. Um, and and the, and oh, and the stake, the pike was designed specifically for Mordecai, uh, who who had done nothing wrong except not bow down to Haman, um, and he continued to follow Torah like that. That's the story. That's that's the that's the humor in the moment. Um, you could see where this this would be an extremely inspirational passage of scripture during Shoah or what we typically call Holocaust. Uh, I mean, this, this is, this is an inspirational book for if anything else, uh, Shoah survivors that there's a, there's a moment where do you remember that, that time that Haman did these things? Well, do you remember that Nazi officer that did the same thing? And, and at the end who won? Well, not the Nazis, <laughs> right? Like, so there was, there was, there's a, there's a, there's a connection here, and and you can see why Purim was uh, 
brought back into their life. It was something that became a huge festival again. And then the story continued. Well, I'm going to pick up right there. Um, Haman's edict. Now, I this is a sociological statement. So and anthropologically, we know that in some cultures, when an edict was made by a king, it was impossible to be countermanded like right like it's the law of the Medes and Persians that's right you can't you can't yeah that's right once it's done it's done you you can't do this so there's 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 even a moment here in chapter eight that's also supposed to be interesting like to to raise your eyebrow type of thing <laughs> you you can't you can't change these things but you can right just because you've said it doesn't mean that you can't go back. Anthropologically, if, if if a ruler had done that, that would start to be the end or the demise of that ruler. Mm. It would start to show. He wasn't supposed to change his mind. He can't change his mind. You know, if it was a bad choice, it was a bad choice. But the king didn't make this choice. That's true. Haman did. But he gave him the ring. But he gave him the ring. So the king, in theory could countermand Haman's because he just used his ring. So yet again, this is that presence of God uh, in the midst of this. God even saw us even using this uh, Ahasuerus. Look, look at what he's done to for us. Um, we're, we're safe even with that because if the king had done it, well. But the people thought the king did do it. Sure, they didn't know. That's right. So he's kind of in hot water. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the, the the funny part of the story. Not funny, haha, but the funny part of the story is uh, even though the people think that the king did it, uh, he, he can even say, oh, no. And they have to believe him. Like, there's, a, you can't question the king. It's good to be the king. Uh, you know, there's, there's this idea. It's funny you should mention that joke, Robert. I have to just, I have to rabbit trail for a second. No, Mel Brooks did a, did an interview about that one line in in the history of the world part one. It, when he it, it, throughout the whole movie, there's this. It's good to be the king. <laughs> That's part of the humor, because throughout history, every king that was in charge or had enslaved the Jewish world uh, messed up, and they lost everything, and 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 he and he was supposed to be a Jewish joke. And of course, all the all the Gentiles that are watching it. Yeah, that's really funny. But the Jews thought it was even better. You know, like it was. It's good to be the king. And look at how. And, and <laughs> what he, happens? And look at what happens to it. And my and my favorite part about the movie is is that the ones that say it's good to be the king, he literally exaggerates everything about it. Right there's the Dom DeLuise scene where he's uh, he's laying on this uh, what do you call the chase? He's laying on the chase. And he's being fed the, the grapes and the wine by Madeline Kahn. And he just looks awful, right? It's just supposed to be extremely <laughs> exaggerated and all of this stuff. And he goes, well, it's good to be the king, right? Like it's, and, and you, and you look at him, you're like, that is a caricature of the Roman emperors on purpose. So yeah, it's, it's, you nailed it, Robert. Like this is a, a really good example of where that joke even today can come from. Um, and I and I I think it's awesome. Um, so, yes, the king 
everybody thinks the king has made it. But then the king can say, oh, no, I didn't. And it's okay. Because, as Robert said, it's good to be the king. Um, which but he again, doesn't do that. But he doesn't do that. So uh, in, in, the, in the aspect of Purim, it, it just continues to show um, the idiocy <laughs> of people trying to play the role of God especially when it comes to God's people um, that it doesn't really matter what happens, how people inflict or enslave or treat humans as garbage. God will take care of it all at the end. He remains for a while. It, yeah, that's right. He's got brains. So he's, that's right. So, uh, and, and, and I, sorry, hmm? I know what the first line says. So yeah, don't read it yet. <laughs> I think for the for the sake of the conversation, I'm I'm gonna say uh most likely. I, I think they most likely would have left Haman's body on there. Anthropologically, they absolutely would have. Uh this this is an example made of somebody that tried to um twist, twist the king's ideas. So uh, remember, everything was extremely violent. Always, always, always violent. So, uh, where was I going? I think that's where I'm going to stop and we'll get start reading. Anybody else have a question, comment? Okay. Um, that very day, King Ahasuerus gave the property of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, notice how they add that, to Queen Esther. Mordecai presented himself uh, to the king, for Esther had revealed how he was related to her. The king slipped off his ring, notice how this goes, which he had taken back from Haman and gave it to Mordecai, and Esther put Mordecai in charge of Haman's property. Does this sound like another story that you've read in the Hebrew Bible? <laughs> Like maybe Joseph, right? This is on purpose. Um, Esther spoke to the king again, falling at his feet and weeping and beseeching him to avert the evil plotted by Haman the Agagite against the Jews. The king extended his the golden scepter to Esther and Esther arose and stood before the king. If it please your majesty, she said, and if I have won your favor and the proposal seems right to your majesty, and if I am pleasing to you, let dispatches be written countermanding those which were written by Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, embodying his plot to annihilate the Jews throughout the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see the disaster which will befall my people? And how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther um, and Mordecai the Jew, I have given Haman's property to Esther, and he has been impaled on the stake for scheming against the Jews. And you may further write with regard to the Jews as you see fit. Write it in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet for an edict that has been written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet may not be revoked. So, yes, there's a, a moment here that obviously is contradicting itself. So I'm going to say if he gave his ring to mm -hmm. Mordecai and you're going to sign it with the king's king's signet, which is usually the ring, 
Did he take it back, or is Mordecai supposed to be writing this, or is Esther supposed to be writing this? Mordecai is supposed to be writing this. Yeah. Okay. So he's supposed to be writing this. This is the, the, the king keeps passing this ring to other people. <laughs> so had the documents read to him as he couldn't sleep, is mm -hmm. the king illiterate? Could be. Oh, totally possible. He has secretaries. That <clears throat> yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes totally possible because, yeah, he is. He has, he has no need to, to learn to read. There's also this other part that happens here that even my commentary talks about that the Jews are kind of making a lighthearted uh, jab at mocking the Persian culture because they're <laughs> just so flighty, right? Like, so there's just this weird thing. It, the interesting thing about the Persian culture, when you look at them anthropologically, is, is they were uh, of extravagance, you know, and they also created laws uh, that they didn't make sense. Like, I, I think if we're being totally honest, like the Medes and the Persians understanding of laws is where we get our understanding of blue laws. Like if it doesn't sound right, let's make a law. This sounds like a good idea. And then two weeks later, they're like, oh, we don't like this law, but we can't countermand it. So we'll make a law that countermands it in the language of. Um, and that you see that in Oklahoma a lot with our old school blue laws. We're not spitting on the sidewalk or anything to that nature. You could be arrested for three days. You know, there's a lot of really bad ones, by the way, just super bad. But I think I think there's it's supposed to be humorous and yes even could be to the point where we're recommending and re recognizing that the the king is most likely illiterate and so filled with extravagance that he can't see the forest through the trees if he was in the forest um cuz he's just hey I'm going to party all the time and all these people are going to do it for me so yeah that's on purpose when we lived in Alabama, uh, we lived in Mobile, and I was living there, but I remember this. There was a law that was illegal to wear high heeled shoes in downtown Mobile, and you could get arrested and whatever for wearing high heel shoes. But the reason was that the sidewalks were so bad that you would get hurt if you wore high heel shoes. So they made a law that you could not wear high heel shoes in Mobile. It's cheaper than fixing the road to the street. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I love this next line. So the king's scribes were summoned at the time on the 23rd day of the third month. That is, of course, you all should know this, the month of Savan. And the letters were written at Mordecai's dictation to the Jews and to the satraps, the governors and the officials of 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia, to every province in its own script and to every people in its own language and to the Jews in their own script and language. He had them written in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed it with the king's signet. And the letters were dispatched by mounted couriers, riding steeds used in the king's service, bred of the royal stud to this effect the king has permitted the jews of every city to assemble and fight for their lives if any people or province attacks them they may destroy massacre and exterminate its armed force together with women children and plunder their possessions on a single day in all the provinces of king ahasuerus namely on the 13th day of the 12th month that is the month of adar the text of the document was to be issued as a law in every single province it was to be publicly displayed to all the people so that the Jews should be ready for that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers mounted on royal steeds went out in urgent haste 
at the king's command, and the decree was proclaimed in the fortress Shushan. Mordecai left the king's presence in royal robes of blue and white with a magnificent, magnificent crown of gold and a mantle of fine linen and purple wool, and the city of Shushan, Shushan rang with joyous cries. The, joy, the Jews enjoyed light and gladness, happiness and honor, and in every province and in every city, when the king's command and decree arrived, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday, and many of the people of the land professed to be Jews, for the fear of the Jews had fallen upon them. <laughs> um, and every and and uh, and happily they all lived happily ever after. But yeah. uh, okay, so I, I remember remember the big discussion. He doesn't change the original law. Right. See how brilliant this is? <laughs> he writes a new law that says, well, if anyone decides to do that, just so know that they have now the ability to avenge and kill anybody for free. Uh, but only on one day. Only on one day. <laughs> but that was the day they yeah. were going to be able to kill right. them. Yeah. Dogs for only one day. That's right. And so then after it was all done, they all had a party. <laughs> they probably did. But that's right. Uh huh. I mean, yep. You're talking about them sort of making fun of themselves here. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or extolling how smart they are. Uh, anybody else catch the part where Mordecai is dressed like Joseph? <laughs> Fancy clothes. Fancy clothes, treated like a king. Um, the the word that they talk about here at the end, I think the commentary even says it's like it, the word is Yom Tov. I don't know where it is. Oh yeah, seventeen. Uh, it says Yom Tov is a good day. Esther is the only place where Yom Tov is used in its later sense as a, a, a of a festival. Uh, people of the land, non-Jews, profess to be Jews or identified with the Jews. Uh, there was not yet a process of formal conversion. This this is kind of a really fascinating thing. I have told you since I came here <clears throat> that in the Hebrew world, one could be adopted into being a Jew. That's 100% true. We don't know when that started. According to Torah, when it's talking about taking care of the refugee, when it talks about loving your neighbor as yourself, these are the words that Jesus quotes, but he's quoting from Torah. This idea that one could become Jewish was totally possible because what would happen is, is you would come in off the, off the street and let's say you were homeless. They would make you a part of their family. As soon as that we do know anthropologically that as soon as they came into your home, it was your job to keep them safe and alive from the elements, from bad people. So the story of Lot, for example, when when they shield the angels, and yeah, I'm just going flat out and calling them angels. But <laughs> uh, when these angels come in to Lot's home, it wasn't necessarily the, the part that he was trying to keep them from being raped. It was, this is his job, according to Torah. When I welcome a stranger into my home, they become a part of my family. Nobody's going to give his daughters instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And their family. Anything too. <laughs> that you can. I know this is, it's a, it's a misnomer. It doesn't make any sense. 
it's a really weird again because we don't live in that culture at all it's a lost to us but the way that they believed was as soon as someone came into our home we were to wash their feet we we're to feed them to clothe them to make sure that they're okay where do you think that language comes from and so and then once they are ready to go then they leave does that keep them as jewish you can't be jewish unless you're in a community this is the part I want you all to really catch. So they can walk in and out of being Jewish. Yes. All their lives. All their lives. <laughs> which is why it's hard for us to understand today. Is there any protection for the homeowner? I mean, what if I, this is nice, I'm just going to stay. Well, then if you do, then you 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 make them a part of your family. And that culture would bring you up into the faith. That's, that's the, the part that we've lost, as far as we know. Extra family. That's right. This is my cousin so and so. But they look white. Well, yeah, but they're my cousin. This is this is why you see today people can marry a person that's of Jewish faith or religion and not be Jewish. Well, they, they go to Hebrew school just like everybody else. Um, so you you could you could be a, a red haired, blue eyed Scot Scotsman and and want and fall in love with a Jewish person. And and they say, well, we want to get married. And you say, okay, you go to Hebrew school and we can get married so that when we say mazel tov, it's over. It's a good day. But why am I making this a big deal? This is the first time throughout the Hebrew Bible that we hear that phrase, yom tov, a good day for Jews and non-Jews. And so this becomes a, you can, you can come in and out of being Jewish-ish. Right. And and the part that we struggle with so hard. I mean, it took me forever to figure it out. I mean, I'm in Israel and Palestine. I'm like, but you're Jewish. Yeah, my mom is Jewish. Do you do you go to synagogue? No, I'm a non-practicing Jew. Okay. But then you're Jewish. Well, yeah. Because my mother is. Because my mother is. And so that so there's a there's a nationality. And then you re run into people that really like. I was adopted into the Jewish faith. Oh, cool. So your parents were Jewish. No, no, I, I, I came here to help with this synagogue's building or this settlement. And they adopted me into this and they made me a part of their community of faith. It sounds, it starts to sound culty, but it's, it's really not. But, and they say, then, then this is where I found the presence of the divine and they became Jewish by faith. Then there's this idea that people are coming in and out of it that are born into the net, the nation, the physical that they're descendants of the 12 tribes, which is a totally different conversation completely. Can we prove any of that? No. But do people try all day long? Yes. And 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 then you have those that are orthodox that that said we are going to live Torah to the best of our ability. And those are the ones that you see that are Hasidic Jews. The Hasid word, it's spelled differently, uh, but Hasid, uh, Hasidic Jews, Hasidic Jews uh, are trying to be of the earth, from the earth, in the way that God has intended by following Torah. Hence the braids, and hence the hats, and hence the prayer shawls. Uh, it's a whole different lifestyle. But why am I making a big deal out of this? Biblically, gang, this is the first time that we hear this language. Now, do you remember the very first time we started talking about Esther? 
Why was it weird? Why is it a weird book? God's not mentioned. God's not mentioned. She was adopted by her uncle. Adopted by her uncle. Oh, and the phrase I couldn't remember was leveret marriage last week. Couldn't remember the phrase. It's leveret marriage. But anyway. And you, you told us that the people in this aren't necessarily real. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, for them. They didn't have to be real. The story for them is, is the story. Is the story. And the, is it the outcome of the story or just the story and how they... How does one live in Torah where the world, where we don't hear God in our daily life? Notice that you don't also hear God speak here. What else? There was something really weird about it anthropologically. It's written in... Oh, it was written in... Um, Greek and... Greek and Aramaic? Greek Hebrew. And, Greek and Hebrew. Greek and Hebrew. It almost didn't make it into the canon because of a lot of reasons, but for. And it, it explains where Purim came from. That's right. It's the a... starting of Purim. Mm -hmm. And so there's a festival that takes place that everybody celebrates. And by the way, it's getting ready to happen. Uh, it's in March. Um, and so the, this, uh, yeah, that's right. It's in March. The, so there's this festival that takes place. There's this practice that takes place. March 12th. March 12th, is that it? It's actually March 6th, but y'all said at the Purim for March 12th. I heard y'all talking about it earlier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I walked right into that one. A fellowship dinner, for those of you that are listening, is going to be on March 12th. Um, as we... Uh, uh, say thank you God for having Emily Andros work and uh, join our staff um, so I uh, so it's written in Greek and Hebrew no one necessarily had to believe that it was these were historical people but the story is important we know that Ahasuerus yeah, he was he was, he was a real person, person. Um, and, and it made sense to put it in that time frame because we know that they were enslaved at that time frame uh, we know that uh, the, it, as it establishes the festival, there's a sense of humor that takes place throughout the whole thing. Um, but what the question that ends up happening at the end is, is how how do we deal with outsiders and insiders? Esther does what she's told, you know, as a good person would do not necessarily uh, um I, I don't want to romanticize this but uh, it's not like Esther had any choices <laughs> right like I I don't I don't want to be that guy that says that oh yeah Esther could have gone and, and said no Mordecai I'm not going to go but he didn't force her to go either right like the king said I want all of these young ladies and she had to go that's all that really happens it just also so happens that Mordecai is there and I think if nothing else, to keep an eye on, to make sure she's safe. And maybe if he's lucky, again, this is me romanticizing it. Let's get you out of here as quickly as we possibly can. You know, so I, I don't know. I That's my romanticized of it. But it even then, that doesn't work historically. Accurately. So, 
So her choices were, you can continue to be a poor slave um, in, in, in this country, with the American British, and and uh, struggle for everything that you ever get, or you can live and have the luxury. Right. Okay. So. Uh, if he chooses. Yeah. Well, even if you didn't, for a year, you're in the lap of luxury. That's right. That's right. And they might forget about you among all the hundreds. Yeah. You might just stay forever. Uh, Yeah. When they rattle off how far the edicts go out, their country is... It's gone. They're they're in their country. Mm -hmm. It's been consumed. (laughs) Well, (laughs) for the sake of time, we can finish Esther... Uh, I, I'm just I'm just gonna warn you it's it's like here is the bow. So we're gonna talk about all the provinces, we're gonna talk about all of this stuff, but really at the end it's just kind of let's let's put a neat little bow in it and then and it's long. So uh that's what I'm saying for the sake of time, I'm gonna get started and we're gonna go and then I'm probably not gonna stop for a bit just so that we can get some of it because it's a little weird. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Um, and so on the 13th day of the 12th month, that is in the month of Adar, when the the king's command and decree were to be executed, the very day on which the enemies of the Jews had expected to get them in their power, the opposite happened. And the Jews got their enemies in their power throughout the provinces of King Ahasuerus. The Jews mustered in their cities to attack those who sought their turf, uh, sought their hurt, and no one could withstand them, for the fear of them had fallen upon the people. Indeed, all of the officials, uh, the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and the king's stewards showed difference to the Jews because the fear of Mordecai had fallen upon them. For Mordecai was now powerful in the royal palace, and his fame was spreading through all the provinces. The man Mordecai was growing ever more powerful, so the Jews struck at their enemies with the sword, slaying and destroying. They wreaked their will upon their enemies. And in the fortress Shushan, the Jews killed a total of 500 men. They also killed Parshandatha, Dalphan, Aspatha, Poratha, Adalia, Aradatha, Parmashta, Arasai, Aradai, and Vaisatha, the ten sons of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the foe of the Jews. But they did not lay hands on the spoil. When the number of those slain in the fortress Shushan was reported on the same day to the king, the king said to Queen Esther, In the fortress Shushan alone the Jews have killed a total of 500 men, as well as the ten sons of Haman. What then must, ha- what must, what then must they have done in the provinces of the realm? What is your wish now? It shall be granted you. And what else is your request? It shall be fulfilled. If it please your majesty, Esther replied, let the Jews in Shishan be permitted to act tomorrow also as they did today, and let Haman's ten sons be impaled on the stake. Then the king ordered that this should be done, and the decree was proclaimed in Shushan. Haman's ten sons were impaled, and the Jews in Shushan mustered again on the 14th day of Adar and slew 300 men. Now we're at 800 people, by the way, in Shushan, but they did not lay hands on the spoil. The rest of the Jews, those in the king's provinces, likewise mustered and fought for their lives. They disposed of their enemies, killing 75,000 of their foes, but they did not lay hands on the spoil. 
That was on the 13th day of the month of Adar, and they rested on the 14th day and made it a day of feasting and merrymaking. But the Jews in Shushan mustered on both the 13th and 14th day, and so rested on the 15th. See the Sabbath? <laughs> so just thought I'd throw that in there. And made it a day of feasting and merrymaking. That is why village Jews who lived in unwalled towns observed the 14th day of the month of Adar and make it a day of merrymaking and feasting and as a holiday and as an occasion for sending gifts to one another. There's your beginning of Purim, by the way. Mordecai recorded these events and he sent dispatches to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Ahasuerus near and far, charging them to observe the 14th and 15th days of Adar every year the same days in which the Jews enjoyed relief from their foes and on the same month which had been transformed for them from one of grief and mourning to one of festive joy. They were to observe them as days of feasting and merrymaking and an occasion for sending gifts to one another and, pre and presents to the poor. Got to add the Torah, right? You, you got to take care of the poor. I'm not trying to be um, pessimistic. I'm, I'm just saying you, you have to have that. Um, the Jews accordingly assumed as an obligation which they had begun to uh, practice and which Mordecai prescribed for them. Poor Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the foe of all the Jews, had plotted to destroy the Jews and had, of all the Jews, had plotted, oh, sorry, and had cast poor, that is the lot, that's where that word comes from. And remember, poor mm -hmm. is a Persian word, so, uh, which intend to crush and exterminate them. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded with the promulgation of this decree, he commanded, oh, sorry, let the evil plot which he devised against the Jews recoil on his own head. And so when you're at Purim, they have these little puppets that they go around the table and his head pops off. And uh, it's, it's like, it's really funny um, in a Monty Python type of way. <laughs> so uh, they impaled him and his sons on the stake. For that reason, they did. And those days were named Purim after Pur uh, or Pur um, and the defeat of Haman, uh, which then becomes the day of Mordecai. In view, then, of all the instructions in the said letter and of what they had experienced and what matter and what had been fallen, then the Jews undertook and irrevocably uh, obligated themselves and their descendants and all who might join them to observe these two days in the manner prescribed and at the proper time each year. Consequently, these days are recalled and observed in every generation, by every family, in every province, and in every city. And these days of Purim shall never cease among the Jews, and the memory of them shall never perish among their descendants. There's your reason for this book, which is so <laughs> awesome. And this is my favorite part. The Queen Esther, daughter of Abihail, wrote a second letter of Purim for the purpose of confirming with the full authority the affirmation, aforementioned one of Mordecai the Jew. Dispatches were sent to all the Jews in the 127 provinces, the realms of Ahasuerus, with an ordinance of equity and honesty, is the translation, but Zechariah has a different terminology for that. These days of Purim shall be observed at their proper time as Mordecai the Jew and now Queen Esther has obligated them to do just as they have assumed for themselves and their descendants the obligation of the fasts with their lamentations. So now we've added this to uh, Torah-based uh, Torah festivals, uh, which we have no anthropological proof that they celebrated any of them, but 
Um, but this one, for some reason, we have proof that they've done. Passover, Pesach, Pesach we have, we have proof of. Uh, Purim, we do. The Festival of the uh, Lamps, we know that they have. There's a whole bunch of festivals um, in Leviticus. I shouldn't tell you that. I should make sure I have direct quotes, but it's either Leviticus or uh, Deuteronomy. One of them has a whole bunch of festivals that we don't we don't have any proof that they ever did. Then, and Esther's ordinance validating these ob ob observances of Purim was recorded in a scroll. King Ahasuerus imposed tribute on the mainland and on the islands, all his mighty and powerful acts, and a full account of the greatness to which the king advanced Mordecai are recorded in the annals of the kings of uh, Medea and Persia. Uh, the, for Mordecai the Jew ranked next to King Ahasuerus and was highly regarded by the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brethren. He sought the good of his people and interceded for the welfare of all his kindred. There ends the reading of the book of Esther. Amen. Um, when back here when it said, uh, I was trying to think, but they impaled the sons and yeah. Haman. What, what, hadn't that already happened? He had he had been impaled. Yeah, he'd been impaled, sons. but not his kids. They just repeated it. Okay, but they were already dead. They were already dead. Yeah, yeah, they killed him. So they killed them and then they impaled them. Yep. Yeah. Let's put them on display. <laughs> we want you to see. Mm -hmm. Observe okay. and don't do this. That'd be kind of like that thing on the stick that his head pops off. Coming. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really and they and they do the the fold up paper thing where his hands move. You know, and you try, it's 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 funny. Kids do the puppets. Uh, the uh, the book that they read is called the Megillah. Uh, for it, Magia is is the book that they read from. Um, there's also another part to that, right? So if you you kill the sons and you publicly display that all the sons are dead, it says to the rest of the world what? Be careful. Well, do definitely better be careful. Don't mess with the Jews. <laughs> Don't mess with the Jews. Mess with this, and your lineage stops. Boom. We 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 didn't just kill you. Your family's dead. <laughs> like there is no one coming back after you. We killed your entire lineage. Why is that a big deal anthropologically? But the Jews, well, they do that all through the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Jesus' line has to be established. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be from Abraham mm -hmm. I mean, because he's the one that God blessed absolutely his descendants so you, know, you have to be from him from abraham's line and you gotta establish it at all i mean that you know that that follows through no matter you know who's going to be the next king it's going to be almost always a relative of somebody now they may eliminate them but the guy that eliminates them it's going to be their lineage that fires everything. I guess even in today's world, you know, you, you will inherit whatever your parents have, or you have the potential of doing that. Absolutely. I'm even being more generic than that. That's not generic, by the way. 
I'm I'm saying what mine is is generic. Think of an old Western movie. Didn't watch old Western movies. <laughs> didn't watch old Western movies. <laughs> oh, Placing saddles kind of kind of doesn't work in this category. It, it, I mean, you you always make sure that their 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 son is not alive afterwards because they could come back to get you. Hmm. You annihilate your enemies so much that their lineage is gone. There's the revenge. Yeah, what is that? Fistful of dollars. Is Fistful of dollars. Avenging his parents. That's right. I was going to say, and you could also grow up to be like your father. That's right. And there's a big, big thing in the Hebrew Bible that you inherit the sins of your fathers. So, you to know, the fourth generation. Know. That's right, to the fourth generation. If that's carried on, you don't want to see that again. That's right. We already had trouble once, let's not do it twice. <laughs> So Purim ends up in March. A lot, a lot of these holidays are for good reason. Mm -hmm. yeah, harvest is over. Yep. This Purim one, Purim, Easter. I mean, these are winter's over. Springtime's here. Mm -hmm. uh, gifts was a bit different. I heard for Red Santa Claus when I saw the gifts. Sure. You know, but they don't have Santa Claus, so oh, I understand that's that. Their... But but they're giving gifts. I mean, that, that's where I'm headed at. There, there's uh, a lot of these have good reason time wise. I was surprised though that the poor people only get to celebrate once. Sure, and celebrate once and then go to town and celebrate again. Mm -hmm. I don't I mean, know. I I mean, I, I always get confused as the to the logistics of it there's because it doesn't really make a lot of sense i mean you all know i'm, I'm kind of a literalist like so and if it's if i'm creating a worship service from the beginning to the end it's got to have a purpose right so if we're going to have a festival of purim I, I, okay so i'm going to bring presents to the poor how much and did anybody else catch the part where they didn't touch the spoils? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what happened to it, right? Like, so my brain is like, so did you use the spoils to go buy the presents and the wine and the stuff? <laughs> you didn't take them. It, you couldn't it, use it. I mean, you didn't take it. <clears throat> so, so get it. Taking Haman's children's stuff would be taking it from Mordecai. Yeah, because he now owns all of Mordecai's stuff. Yeah. So that that was always a part that bothered me in this story. Also, it's like. Okay, so we're following Torah. It, well, the first thing you should have done is taking care of the widows and orphans right off the bat. Widows and orphans should have been taken care of. Killed eight hundred men. <laughs> That's right. So now you've got plenty of widows and orphans. Now. However, since they didn't take the loot, I guess they could they, they could take what the husband. So had. you could totally go with that with the Book of Leviticus because it was always the tenth. Right, the tenth app, and, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the tenth is always discussed in the Hebrew Bible as the tithe. Yep. You know, and and the we we Christians really have struggled with where did that terminology come from? Well, as far as we can tell, when one would harvest a a field, they left a tenth of it for the widows and orphans to come and gather, and the, your your proof, if you need it, would be the book of Ruth. So when she goes to gather uh, the 
the grain to take care of Naomi, you know, that that story is your proof that they were still following the Levitical command. So that 10th uh, was what was left over. Now, interestingly enough, Malachi changes the language and the book of Genesis changes the language. It says it needs to be the first 10th. So not the leftovers. <laughs> it needs to be the first part. And so. But it was given to God. It didn't say anything about orphans and widows. That's right. That point. That's right. And so, so there's, there's this, uh, so really you're only getting 80% of your stuff, <laughs> which, you know, if you think about it logistically again, or literally, you can live plenty uh, better, than a sharecropper got. better than a sharecropper got. And that's, and all of these people would have been. So if you just, if you just took care of your people and the widows and the orphans. So I have problems with the logistics of Purim, like, uh, it, I, I get I get caught up in the weeds. I guess I guess when I read that they didn't take the spoils, it was just an indication that they were defending themselves. They were not doing it for gain. Yeah, there's definitely could be made to that case. But they chose it. I mean, well, Mordecai could have written it in a way that yeah. They wished that. I just thought it was fascinating that no one, no one did it, like. Throughout the right, so now we've got we've got eight hundred at least. You got throughout the provinces seventy five thousand that have died, you know, as they're defending themselves, and so then they have a festival, you know, basically on the bodies of the dead people <laughs> throughout all of the provinces. That's a lot of people, folks. Even back then, that's that's a lot of people. I was it, it they they were from what someplace to Ethiopia. India, 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 India. So that's probably. I mean, that's it's a lot of territory. That's a lot of territory. Because I was thinking when they were sending the people out on the horses to do the what had come down from the king, I was thinking that's going to take quite a few days to get there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, but yeah. but yeah. from the time that seventy-five thousand, maybe the same as the fifty-foot spike. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. You caught it. Probably. Look at the impact that it makes. Lots of people. <clears throat> the story. Remember, we started out the conversation. It's the story of what happens. Our enemies are outnumbering us by the thousands, even seventy-five thousand. And look at Haman. He had to. He built a fifty-foot pipe for our people, and he is so dumb. He is so dumb. And now God has put the bad guy on a fifty-foot pike, and then. His own sons die, and then they also get put on pikes. Seventy-five thousand people we have killed. You know, I, it's just it's it's a it's beautiful. It's it's a it's not a beautiful story. <laughs> I, I I hate genocide uh, with a purple passion, but you know when you think about it, uh, at the end of the book of Esther, our moral of the story is is don't mess with God or God's people. God works in mysterious. Ways. God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> We need to remember that. There's a whole book. Yom Tov. Nobody really died. It's just a story. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, with this, um, how do they determine when they have festivals? I, I guess my question is we're going to have a festival because of the, all of this. Does that not <laughs> indicate that God has to deliver them once again? Well, this is a, this is a priestal, priest entry, right? Like, this is my favorite part about when you study when you study um, 
worship practices of ancient cultures. You'll see these little pieces of literature here, like the 12th month of the 23rd day of blah, blah, blah. Um, when you do that, that is obviously a priestly insert. We have been practicing it on such and such date. So let's make sure that our text actually matches that. Um, but that's not a bad thing, right? Like, I, I mean, for some reason, I think Christians, especially in the United States, really struggle with this whole thing that when, when we look at stuff literally in the Bible, uh, we think, well, God had to have given them that day. Well, God did. God told the priest that was writing the book of Esther or the scribe that was writing the book of Esther, hey, look, we've been practicing it on the 14th of March for 200 years. We need to put it on the 14th of March so everybody behind us will do the same thing. Um, and tradition. The tradition, right? In the Christian faith, we do the exact same thing when we appropriated Easter and we took away Pesach and we said, Easter, we're, we're going to get rid of this pagan holiday uh, and turn it into something special and uh, in the name of Jesus. And so, because we're, we're trying to move past it. And Easter, uh, contrary to popular belief, we were we were saying, well, we're not Jewish and we're not this, and we need to get away from this these pagan rituals. So let's set this date from here on out. And it just so happens to fall on the same time as Passover. Because again, we were... I say we, those of the past, yeah, I was afraid that was happening. Those of the past um, were setting up things for us today. And, and we've inherited it. But we also do have to claim and, and recognize that some of those came from bad places. There's, there's competition out there. Absolutely. You can't ever get away from that. So let's think Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really wish I was being facetious. I, I mean, I remember being in a church at uh, 20 years ago that literally said, do we have to meet on Sunday morning because the Super Bowl is going to be like later on this afternoon? <laughs> and, I, and, and I literally looked at them and said, are you joking? <laughs> And they were and like, they and, and they were not, <laughs> and they had a had a had a group of people with them too. I mean, uh, you're a hundred percent right, Robert. There's a there's a competition in the in the culture, and then there's a competition even within our own religion. Well, it's even kind of like Christmas when yeah. it falls on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Have to meet here. Are we meeting? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and 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 there's not a right answer for that. I mean, I've had minister friends that said yeah no we're, we're not going to meet there's a whole bunch of families with kids in there and i'm like well that's an interesting choice <laughs> yeah yeah so we spent the entire the whole month of december talking about it but then the day he was born yeah you guys go home and stay at home and open presents <laughs> how did they determine that the month of adar was um something about Saban. March. Just, December or March or January or library I mean, is February twenty-eighth. Interesting. <laughs> but how I you said that they were kind of planning for the future, mm -hmm. but how did they determine what these were? I mean, did somebody say, okay, Adar, okay, let's make that February? Yeah, it's just it's or, well, remember the the months, January, February, March, that came much oh, yes. later. 
Right. Yeah, that came from the Roman calendar. So we really don't know when this was. Nope. It's just like when Jesus was born. Or exactly. When the crucifixion was. We don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nope. It's just and, and, making sure myself that I was. But they, but they had a calendar. They did. Based on I don't know what. Lunar cycles. Yeah, moon things. And Adar and whatever all the other months they mentioned in there are in their calendar, which but were Jewish terms. Yep. In this book about Persians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, they could have been a few days off. And a week Absolutely. Off, they're just establishing. <laughs> we, we need or three weeks off. <laughs> That's right. The, the lunar schedule for, for February is not any different than the lunar schedule for January. And there's three different, three more days in January. <laughs> You know, so but they didn't worry about the lunar thing. I yeah. mean the actual days. And and there wasn't a there wasn't a there wasn't like a physical calendar that they followed. You know, they're just they're kind of following the the agricultural cycles. There's yeah, spring, that's why they're spring. When the sun's the hottest. Yeah. When the harvest is over. When the, when the drought hits. My favorite part that I never knew about my trip to Israel and Palestine is the weather there. Uh was similar to our weather here hmm. i mean they had snow they had you know we always think desert yeah there are deserts but there wasn't any near jerusalem like i mean it was it, it really reminded me of lawton uh, <laughs> i mean it did. too bad <laughs> i know right seasons. and the seasons yeah and they had seasons just like we do and and so for them i, I now understand like i i read this and i go oh Okay, so this meant that it was in the spring, or this meant that it was in the summer. Uh, you know, Jesus's birth did not happen in like December because it's, uh, if it had been snow on the ground, I know that the gospel writers would have put that. There's this, this is a thing. You know, we have to remember that as they're writing this, they're trying to tell us the story again, and they didn't leave out the storytelling techniques that we have today. And weather patterns when Jesus was born would not have been the same as now. Because right. back when, when we were no younger, we had lots of snow we had now. So weather patterns change. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Uh, talk about Mary, but they put him six blankets on top of her and the yeah. blanket going. <laughs> she didn't have a blanket on and a blanket <laughs> off. And yeah, there's, uh, I, I, so I love the book of Esther. I think it's an amazing book. Um, my the big part I want you all to take from this is, is it establishes the festival of Purim. It's a really great story. I I think in the sense of if you look at it as a, a, a great book of Jewish humor, as well as um, a kind of an establishment of that God still provided all the way through the whole thing, even if God wasn't present or God's voice wasn't heard. This is one of my favorite books to use when people are really struggling. With hearing God's voice, you know this is this you is don't a, have to hear it. You don't have to hear it, and I'm not saying that you need to live Esther's life, right? Like, and I don't want you to go out and kill 800 uh, non-Jewish speaking people, you know, uh, or non-Hebrew non speaking. We people. don't want to be enslaved. But nobody needs to be enslaved either. But here, here's a book that has survived uh, almost not making it into the Bible. It was written in Hebrew and Greek. Was has been argued about for centuries, and in some way or another has continued to thrive in such a way that we look at Esther and go, oh, wow, God is awesome. <laughs> so I, I dig it. With that, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording. Josh, you were commenting on the helicopter.
one of my classes at Phillips was in in uh, mm -hmm. the seminary buildings. It was one of the seminary professors was a Bible class I had to take. And the 